everybody, and welcome to American Groove. I'm your host, Dave. And this is your other host, Carissa. Yeah. And well, I guess I'm the guest, Matthew. Hi, guys. Yeah, we have Chef Matthew Gray here all the way from Hawaii, everybody. Okay, so get your luau's, get your Mai Tais ready, because, honey, we are about to have a trip of your lifetime. And uh, yeah, without further directions, um, Matthew, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, yeah. Absolutely, Dave, Carissa, thank you for having me. I'm Matthew Gray. I'm here in Hawaii. I'm a longtime chef. I'm endlessly curious. I've had a lot of entrepreneurial ventures in my life, a lot of wild stories, and I can't wait to share with you tonight. Yes. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Um, so first thing that I want to start off is I, I really haven't talked about this on this podcast. You know, I have a food background and I really wanted to bring on another, you know, a person that actually like you, you, you do this for a living. Uh, and crazy enough, you do this in Hawaii. I did this for a living, but I don't oh. any longer do. I was wondering. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I was like, is this something that you still do? Um, I mean, you probably do it in your own way at your maybe more at your own pace these days. I cook for <laughs> friends and family now, but throughout That's my great. career up until uh, 2004 when I opened up Hawaii Food Tours, and that's a whole nother story we can get to, but up until 2004, I was a chef for uh, rock and roll bands and Hollywood celebrities and friends and family like you guys and uh, that kind of thing. So the chefing world, the kitchen world is now behind me, which is pretty cool. And we will, by the way, because I've read about this, we're going to talk about Fleetwood Mac and Pink Floyd, okay, and, and all of this because, honey, me and Carissa... We are like old school rock and roll. Like, come on, honey. Like when we put oh, on. Yeah. Pink Floyd's one of my favorite oh, um, bands. I love Pink I, Floyd. I mean, uh, my first question that comes to mind is like, did you get like Pink Floyd, Roger Waters? Did you get them to try anything that they maybe wouldn't have tried before? You know, like a food that like they didn't know that they liked and you're like, oh, come on. Because like sometimes people can be a little narrow minded with like what they ask from someone else. And like, I just wondered if you got them to try anything new. <laughs> you know, Carissa, that's a great question. I get everybody to do anything I want. So um, the, <laughs> That's a little scary. <laughs> the, the history of, of my cooking, though, goes back to when I was just a little kid. I used to follow my mom around the kitchen, and I used our pet dog, Happy, as a step stool to see what mom was cooking on the range. And that was 150 pounds ago. Uh, but then I grew mm. up, and I left high school early to travel with the Eagles on their Hotel California tour and that mm. kind of revolved into then traveling with Fleetwood Mac and then Pink Floyd and when I was traveling with them I was traveling in a merchandising mode and then after that I became a chef and yeah I cooked for a lot of the bands that I had previously traveled with along with like I said a lot of people in the entertainment world. Mm. People, t people kind of tend to forget that you know there was a time in the industry when we're talking about music and we're talking about um these you know uh, rock and rollers and uh these famous pop stars it was a different time you know their interaction with the world was more um existing you know they didn't have the same problems that we had now you know i, I will tell you this like because my uncle was a musician in the 70s he's told me stories and i've heard from other people as well like it was kind of normal if you were in new york city to like bump into mm -hmm. you know like the Ramones or something I don't know like it was just it, it was part of normal life so to have somebody like you that interacted with these people and like Carissa brought up is like having them try different foods and create different types of palettes and different things that they can try it, it was just a whole different world that probably most of us today can't even relate to anymore you know interacting with people is a whole lot different now um in the internet world than bc which is before COVID, and you know back when i was with the bands in the in the 70s and 80s that was a long time ago and connections were different it was much more high touch than it has become now because now everybody is playing on their screens and their devices and this and that so there's a lot less kind of 
face-to-face physical stuff and um, you know the, the the combination of the way that people used to communicate and they the way that they are now is completely different mm, yeah I mean I complain a lot about that but I, I don't have the the outside perspective I you know I mean I only have my time period that I've dealt with but I you know I I hate to be like oh it would be better in a different time when I don't really know but I do you know I hear from other people that the interaction probably was in a way more fulfilling it was pretty awesome being a kid right out of high school traveling with rock and roll bands I was living that that whole entire drugs sex and rock and roll phrase that you always hear about and have been hearing about your entire life and so doing that was was for me it was like a normal thing even though all my buddies and friends back home were doing whatever they were doing right after high school and so my life was normal to me that's the way that I was living my life so I never kind of put myself up against other people I'm sure that everybody has had you know interesting and and fulfilling experiences for themselves (laughs) yeah that's that's a very uh, not narrow-minded way to look at it (laughs) I mean at the same time open-minded yeah I mean, at the same time, though, you're like, you're like being the badass. Okay. You're like being the badass in the school because like you're, you're like rebelling against like what everybody else wants to do. The thing about creation and creativity. And like you were saying about creating these deep, you know, these deep types of connections, this openness, this, um, this vibe that you have with other people, it all stems you know, I feel from like a, a rebellious point, you know, you're rebelling against the suppression of not being yourself. Sounds like there was a question in there, my friend. And, um, you know, there probably was a little bit of rebellion inside me, but I think more than that, I was just following my heart, doing what I wanted to do. And uh, I learned early on who not to listen to. And I think that that was a big part of it. So it was more the rebellion. It was just like following my inner guidance. Mm. Do you find yourself as like a, a very passionate person? Extremely so. Always the, yeah. the, the the most passionate person in the room. You know, if I yeah. do say so myself, it's like I'm that kind of type. I'm, I'm empath and a, and a lover and a passionate person. I love stimulating and engaging conversation. That's why I'm here today. You guys have a great show, and I want to be Thank a part you. of you. I want to be a part of your world. You know. And uh, well, welcome to um, our world, Carissa. We haven't even really like identified the world that we've created. You know, like. Hey, we got our, our stoner podcast here. Our stoner podcast. Yes, it's a world it, uh, lost in the groove. It's like you go and you go get lost in the groove. And this is American groove. So come get lost with us. I love the whole groove thing. And uh, Chris, <laughs> I can see that it looks like you're set up in your kitchen. And so that's a very comfortable zone for me. <laughs> if I came there, I would make you my famous stuffed and dipped strawberries. Ooh. Stuffed and dipped strawberries. How does Ooh. that work? I've heard of a dip strawberry, but what's going on with stuffing with a strawberry? I want to hear about the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Dave, you worked in kitchens for a yes. while. And Carissa, the, the strawberries are one of four or five different gourmet, sexy stuffed finger foods that I used to sell to Trader Joe's. Oh. And the strawberries are split open and then stuffed with a combination of toasted coconut, whipped cream, marshmallow cream, and peanut butter. Oh, and then cool. put back together and then dipped into chocolate. Oh, that's very cool. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, as a stoner, you know, I'm like, oh, yum. Like, that sounds amazing. No, but so- the thing is also, it's a really, like, okay, so he brings up an important thing. Um, yeah. One thing you learn about in fine food is actually sex. Like, the the erotica of the dish. Be- no, I'm serious, because there's certain dishes that are supposed to give certain flavors there's a certain palate the way that you're serving it um how it's you know on the food uh, is it cold is it warm is it hot you know there's a lot of different elements that go into making the dish and like what leads you to make your choices exactly yes 
I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I learned in kitchens. Oh, yeah. You know, there's just, we're all tied into the whole food thing. You know, it's something you do every single day of your life. And it's a way to orchestrate a connection with someone. And whether it's a seduction dinner or it's just going out to dinner with friends and being able to do a face-to-face conversation like this. So for me, food was always a way to be able to be with family, to be with friends. And there's an, an inextricable kind of connection to food, sexuality, and all of the things that have to do with life. And that's how I got close to people throughout my life. Mm. It's really powerful. It is. I feel like also with, you know, Valentine's Day coming up, the stuff to dip strawberries are just mm-hmm. like right on cue for this conversation. Yes. It, it mm-hmm. is amazing. Yes. I, I heard you say that you worked with, with Trader Joe's. Um, what exactly, what type of, what was it like? Like, how did you get into that? you know, and, and what was your experience like? So, yeah, I come from the day of the hustle. So when you had a good idea, you couldn't just go online because online didn't exist back then. Right. So if you, had a, if you had a good idea and you wanted to pitch it, you had to go out, you had to knock on doors, shake hands, introduce yourself, kind of put it out there. So, you know, I had been a chef and I had some really great ideas for recipes that I thought would be marketable. So I contacted Trader Joe's headquarters in Pasadena. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And I said, I have some great items. I think you guys would love selling them. And they said, well, how about you come in next Tuesday at 8 a.m. and bring your stuff? And just that was it. I mean, it was like that kind of easy to be able to get an appointment with like a giant company. And, And I was there and I had all my goodies in tow. And I I fed a a bunch of people around a, a boardroom and there you go. They chose four items and then I sold them for the next couple of years to Trader Joe's and another big grocer in Southern California. It sounds like a very positive experience. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. (laughs) It was great. Yeah, it was like you just had to go out there and you had to kind of like tempt people and and teach people and show people and let them taste your flavors and hear your words and I'll be honest, like I'm an avid Trader Joe's shopper. I literally go there every single week. And uh, the one thing it does is it opens my, my, I I know it's a grocery store, but it it allows me to try different flavors. I'll give you a great example. Um, I bought this cranberry, cranberry orange marmalade, cranberry orange, and it has one more flavor. There's one more flavor in there, but I can't remember. It is amazing. It tastes like Coca-Cola. I put it on my bread. It's awesome. I love (laughs) it. I just, I love the flavors and I wouldn't have tried something like that unless I went to a place like that, that opened me up to that experience. You know, like that's, that's something I want to add to the food that I eat in my life, that I want to add to the journey of the things that I'm eating. You know, like, to be honest, who wants the the fucking, like, I don't want the bland bullshit, man. I want the cool stuff in the store. You know, you guys are definitely in the groove, and Trader Joe's definitely found their groove early on with their look, their style, their customer service, their product packaging, their artwork, and their flavor. So they brought it all together, and now we get to benefit by that. Yeah, and it's affordable. And and remember, we have to—it is affordable. It's—it's actually cheaper for me to go there than to go to a regular grocery store. It's bananas. Not a Trader Joe's commercial right here. No, they're not even sponsoring us. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I always like to make dumb jokes. I—I make a lot of jokes that don't hit from time to time too. This is why we love Chris. It was okay. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. No. So, guys, I have to ask you, since you're both uh, smoking at this moment, what is your drug of choice or your party at the moment? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, right now I have this like homegrown weed that was gifted to me. Um, I have no idea what it is, to be honest. It was just whatever they had left over and they gave me a big bag of it and it was free. Uh-huh. So I've been rolling it up in my little zigzag papers and making little, you know, filter thingies and just going old school with it. I don't know. So um, and then I, I have just like little vape 
little indica david bought me this battery sometimes we'll showcase stuff you know and be like this is my you know and no, david I mean, had like, these pre-rolls that he was showing off that was like a specific type that were really nice um but this is just yeah we're it, we're yeah we're just, just like basic weed so, rolled up today yeah for me like <laughs> i'm i'm just smoking like i'm also being real old school it's purple haze that's, oh, you that, know what yours is. <laughs> yeah, it's purple haze. Like every everybody knows what purple haze is. Like it's it's a very like OG strain. Like um, Jimi Hendrix, yeah. whose song that is, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Purple yes. haze. Yes, I believe so. Yes. Well, okay. So um, you you met and and spent time with a lot of celebrities. Uh, Let me ask that, you. You know what? I want to ask yeah. this question. You know that I'm like, whoa. <laughs> did you ever have? Did you ever um, have the honor to meet Jimi Hendrix, or you never met him? He was slightly before my time. Okay. So yeah, I wasn't all that. Young. I wasn't aware of him until you know. I was later on in my teens, and I think he was already gone by then, or or he wasn't touring anymore, or something like that. But yeah, just a teeny bit before my time. I was more of the Eagles, Pink Floyd, Fleetwood okay. Mac, Supertramp, Rolling Stooges. Stones, Zeppelin, Stooges. Yeah, they came along later, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love Zeppelin music. His voice is just absolutely beautiful. Robert it's, Plant. Uh, yeah, it's really nice to just get lost in it. I, I find it relaxing and energizing at the same time. Oh, yeah. Person knows this. I have literally every single one of Led Zeppelin's albums on vinyl, including Coda. Okay, that's how hardcore I've Ragtime. gotten. Wow, good for yeah. you. That you deserve a little round of applause, my Thank friend. Thank you. <laughs> so, guys, I wish I had been ready. I would have. I would have uh, pulled out the snapshot to show you. Of Ooh. we had. We had two. No, we had three different plants that grew on their own in our backyard that were anywhere from six to ten feet tall oh wow that's cool it's amazing they grew yeah. on their own what do you they, mean just nature just boom you just never know right carissa <laughs> uh, so things happen and i you know put on my tie-dye shirt and i pose for the camera and like uh it, it was pretty amazing oh let me, let me ask you let me ask you something live. what what got you to Hawaii? You know, because Hawaii is one of those places that, that like that's a that's a decision and it's a beautiful place and I would love to visit one of these days. Um but what led you to that? Well, the long answer, and I know we're doing long answers here. Yes, please. Uh, yeah. Born in New York, raised until the age of ten when my family moved to Los Angeles. They didn't tell me right away, but I caught up with them eventually. And then when uh, the early 90s came around, I moved here to Hawaii. And it was all based on like a love thing, wanting to to start a new life. It was after the Rodney King riots had happened in L.A. And uh, moved here to Hawaii and, and began a whole new life of writing, journalism, food writer, wow. um you know, that kind of thing. My chefing career had ended in Los Angeles when I came here to Hawaii. I started being a writer and a radio guy. I had one of the very first radio programs that was broadcast live on the internet in 93, we began, called Love Life Radio. And that began my life in Hawaii. It's crazy. Wow, it's great to do that for yourself. Like, just be like, you know, I'm gonna start a new life. Like, it's. A, I'm really happy that you know it, it feels good to see someone else accomplish that. It was a good but, time to get out of LA. I'll tell you, when I did, it was a, it was a smart time to get out of there because it was just crazy from the riots and and all that. I don't know how much history you guys know about that, but mm -hmm. yeah, starting a new life is is always great, especially when you're not fearful um of course you have butterflies but good kind of stress is is actually healthy and so i was at that good stage of of feeling stressful anxious and excited healthy stress yeah that's called yeah. eustress that's the word e-u-s-t-r-e-s-s -S -S. that's the good kind of stress the bad kind of stress when you go over the hill and you come down that's distress and that's the kind of stress you don't want to feel I want to oh, um, really I want to cool. I want to point something out because for for me personally and Carissa knows this because we 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 talked about this. Um, 
I was, you know, very endorsed in my art before, you know, I, I kind of did the podcasting and I kind of went into it more and I kind of gave up on that part of, you know, kind of changing it up and kind of focusing on this more. Um, you know, from your point, you know, you went from, you know, a chef working and making all of these different foods and then now, you know, to a writer and we'll talk about the uh, the other part with the Hawaii tours um, later on. How was that transition for yourself going from that life to the other? I mean, you know, you're talking about good stress, but like the actual transition of changing over, like what was your daily norm? Well, you know, leaving Los Angeles was tough in the sense where I was leaving behind all my friends that I had grown up with uh, for many, many years and my mom and my sister. So it was difficult to, to transplant yourself to another place across an ocean where you only know one person. And so the transition was difficult, but I either gave away everything I owned or sold everything I owned, packed up the rest in 64 one cubic foot boxes and sent it off to Hawaii and then uh, along with my car. And then a few weeks later, I collected all my stuff when I was on this side of the ocean of the Pacific. How long had you lived in Los Angeles before that? From the age of 10 to the age of uh, 35 or something like that. So it was mostly LA. Yeah. Yeah. It so was you LA. spent that, most, most of your time in LA. Where well, were you before think, that? Um, New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Born That's in New right. York, moved to Los Angeles when I was 10 so, and then moved yeah. here to Hawaii, you know many years after that so i've been here for 26 years or something so the experience for like your like your day-to-day -day life once you got to hawaii like how do you know where to start <laughs> like i mean like unpacking into your new place like i don't even know yeah i i moved from from uh the midwest out to here and when you tell the story about just like getting rid of everything like yeah i did it once but i did it 10 years ago you know and right. only the one time and i did it on my way to la so yeah i can really relate with the just like putting everything into boxes and just leaving town it's a very freeing feeling but it's also very scary yeah it can be where are you now where did you i'm in los angeles i just i'm in van nuys yeah oh, van nuys. In the I, valley. Lived in, I lived right by van nuys and and moore park yeah, uh huh. I work right around there as well. Yep, that's the valley. That's that, where I'm at. <laughs> the place where I lived on Vista del Monte in Los Angeles was a, a little, really cool apartment with the whole front just one big window. You'd walk in, that's cool. and it looked down on a Frank Lloyd Wright house, and what? it was right next to a street where Marilyn Monroe lived for a number of years. So it was oh. pretty cool part of the valley, um, and it probably still is. That's really cool. Yeah, I've got a thing for Frank Lloyd Wright houses. Oh, so mm -hmm. they just go um, right up, uh, one block west on Moore Park off of Van Nuys. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're saying on the uh, other side of, of Ventura Boulevard, like, is it like towards uh, the Hollywood it, Hills? It's uh, no, it's the other way. It's north. The One other way, yeah. I'm just surprised. More park, yeah. Yeah, I'm never, surprised that there's a, a house there. That's, why have I uh, never seen this? Like, because I lived in Van. I well, they don't Van list the the Frank Lloyd Wright houses. You have to kind of know where they are. A lot of them are not listed. So uh, go there. Yeah. Just Vista Del Monte at Moore Park, right at that corner. <laughs> You're like, go there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Vista go, Del go Monte. I, just, I would have to like write it down. Yeah. You think someone's living in it? Oh my you god. Know what we should do, oh, Chris. Yeah. So we we should Ooh, go get raincoats beautiful. and we should get binoculars and just go to their house, like by the bushes on the top. Just like have the binoculars with the raincoat hat on top, you know, and just like. And they can see us through the window, like with our binoculars, with our raincoats, and with mm. our rain hats on top. Okay, hey, that sounds great. I don't have any of those things. I don't have binoculars, raincoats, jackets, any of it. I don't. I don't have anything like. We might that. get arrested, but it's okay. We got arrested <laughs> for a good reason. Chris, are you in any way disturbed that Dave seems so comfortable with that concept? <laughs> <laughs> okay, David is going to come out to LA and visit. So we've been both like coming up with ideas about things to do, but I think we could go it's look at the Frank Lloyd Wright house. Might I add? 
Oh, we won't get arrested. Nobody cares what we're doing. We're just oh my too God. idiots. Yes, that's true. And Dave, what uh, part of the world are you in? Um, well, I currently reside in Southern Florida, uh, you know, AKA blue country and red, red, red state. So um, it's real nice out here. The only issue is traffic. Like the, the traffic is just as bad as LA. So it kind of makes it difficult to get around. But um, my situation is a little bit different. I mean, like Kristen knows, like I'm primarily down here because of my mom. So what, what is it about mom? My dad um, passed away from, from, uh, you know, the, I, I can't say it cause with the monetization and the stuff, but you know, the pandemic and yeah. So I could tell you were like a Florida native because you said Southern Florida and people don't refer to it as that. Usually they say South Florida. So where are you really from? He's from New York. Uh, yeah. I'm originally from New York. I'm, I'm, so the thing about me is, is like, I'm trash hippie New York. Like I, I grew up in Rockland County, which is right outside of the country, like right next to Jersey. So we're like, we seem like we're clean and gentlemen. Like, no, we're, we're trash. <laughs> we drive pickup trucks. We drive through the snow, you know, our dads are construction workers and plumbers. <laughs> Very blue collar stuff. Yeah, we're working class, yeah. That's cool, man. You know, that's the heartbeat of America. It is. It really is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, like from my, like, from my experience, like I, I wanna get into more about this, like you as, um, you as a chef, like especially when it comes to cooking, you mentioned your your mom, but can you elaborate more on this? Because like, what what inspired you to want to make a whole career about cooking and and making food and being a part of that? I think I knew I was going to be doing something with food early on, like I said, because I used to see how much joy food brought to the family. And when we got together and sat down and how awesome it was always to share food and share words and feelings with folks. So um, after being with the rock and roll bands for a number of years, I was probably about 22 and I thought to myself, I'm a little bit burnt out. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And mm. that's when I decided at that moment, since I had loved being in London and around Europe so much, I thought maybe I'll go to school here in London and become a chef. And so that's what I did. I went to uh, Le Cordon Bleu, which is a very high-end culinary establishment and got my diploma in culinary arts and then returned to Los Angeles and became a real chef. Wow. Where did you stay while you were in school in London? Uh, London, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in a hostel in South wow. Kensington. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was so like, what are some of the things that you took from school that you really like took to heart, you know, that you learned there that you liked? Well, I learned that I loved London even more than I had thought wow. previously. And I learned all about the, not only the art of cooking, but also, um, I guess, the balance that food plays in your life and, and how to share with people and how to be mm. able to live an enjoyable experience and blending music and color and art and aroma and fragrance and plate architecture and all mm -hmm. of that together in a very old world community. Mm. You know, if you take, um, if you take a salad, okay? People think that salads are easy. All you do is you just take a few like, you know, lettuce and you throw this shit in there and you throw that salmon, you throw on some balsamic vinegar and you call it a day. No. You know how you make a salad? You take some arugula, you take some watercress, you know, you take some baby lettuce or butter lettuce, okay? You take that and you mix it with a little bit of lemon, salt, pepper, olive oil. You let it just soak just a little bit. You take some either like a goat cheese or a manchego, you can get something like that. You could put that on the side um add some fruits where am i going with this my point i'm trying to go with this is is that 
you can look at food as being easy, but you can also look at it as a complex dish. I feel like if you're going to make it your profession, you know, and it's, I mean, from what I know about you being a very passionate person, I, (laughs) it all, it comes together. It makes sense. Like, I'm like, okay, like you're not going to just cook food. Like you're going to look at the architecture of it. You're going to like, you know, like look at the whole story, have it tell a story, you know, like all of it and, and how it affects the human. And the, I mean, that kind of, it's in, yeah, from what I know about you, it seems like it's, it's a more advanced way of looking at food um, than most of us are, are used to. Um, I've only, I've never met anybody with that much talent, um, like on a personal level, uh, with food. So <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's really um, a great thing yeah. to, to be mindful about food. When you see people eating, they're just eating because it's like, like an, an ability they have, but they're not tasting stuff and they, no one ever taught mm-hmm. them how to taste. No one ever taught them how to savor, whether it's flavor or friendship or music, people don't really take the time to be mindful about the things that they're doing in their life. And that's one of the the stops I took along the way many, many times to learn the art of the eat and the art of the listen and the art of the friendship. And and that's important to, to take the time out and to be mindful with whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, that certainly is inspiring. Like, yeah, I feel like a lot of things that I cook are just stuff that's been passed down. You know, the stuff my grandma used to make, stuff that my dad makes, like, and it's just kind of our basic family recipes. Um, honestly, we're all pretty basic. But that's, we don't that's do anything special. too fancy, Basics, you know? Basic's fine. <laughs> it, you know, fancy is not necessarily where it's at. It's whatever the person you're cooking for loves to eat. So if I were to cook for you, Dave, or you, Carissa, I would cook the things that you wanted, unless you said, hey, Matthew, go ahead and make me something special out of the blue. But normally what I'm all about is taking care of my audience, no matter where they are. Mm. I always, uh, I, I mean, I'd want to try something new. I'd be like, whatever you suggest. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's I mean, true. for myself, I just steam vegetables and rice. It's like all I do all the time. <laughs> it, it's it's true, though, because like we, um, the both of us, me and Carissa, we've gone out and tried different experiences on purpose. We, you, you know, we've done this before. Like, hey, let's try that. You know, let's, I don't know, let's try. And I think majority of the time we actually were positive. Like we were happy that we tried something new. And the cool thing is we learned something new about each other. You know, we realized like a new flavor palette that we liked or something that we haven't tried before that we can add that we actually mm-hmm. like. For example, like. Yeah. I see how this can wine. be like. Yeah, cheese and wine. I, sorry. Mm-hmm. I see how this can be like a friendship kind of thing. Cause like, I think about all the friendships that I have and I think about all the foods that I've tried. And, you know, honestly, one of the people that stand out to me is like one of my old friend, friends, Joff. He used to cook for our like friend group every weekend. And he would just like make all this food. And I was like starving, but he would make food that was completely different than food that I would have for myself. But like in our friendship, I tried all this food that he makes and I learned that I love so many different things that I didn't know. And so like I can see how food, you know, like if you try what each other makes, like you've shared a lot of things with me as well. If food and friendship really go together, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at. And it, yeah. I see it. I see it more now. <laughs> yeah, and it's something that, you know, you'll have for the rest of your life. You'll have the opportunity and ability to be able to share and exchange great information and ideas with other people while eating food and being mindful of the flavor and the friendship at the same time instead of one or the other. Mm. All about the connection, baby. <laughs> No, and uh, like th- this is something to tie into, which is where it's always great to watch those television shows of all this like incredible like cooking shows and all these like contests and all this bullshit, you know. And and and, and they're great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's fun to watch this. But 
the core of it is is that we've created food as a way of bonding you know it's a way that um i can say this personally because like you know my family my father was moroccan and the whole thing is like food and family is a very important part of our culture that it's not ancient this is a, a crucial part and matthew if you want to you touch more on this um how how important food is to culture and community and to society more it's, than just yeah it's everything um it's it's at the core it's at the root of of every connection every place has its own culture has its own peoples has its own flavors or spices or whatever might be available to them and that's what kind of separates one place from another when you can talk about the people and you talk about the taste and you talk about all of the things that uh, make a place be a place is oftentimes its taste. When I've traveled in my life, I've always wanted to go, you know, I, I want to go visit museums and galleries and buildings and so on. But the most important thing to me was to know where I was going to go for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I wanted to know the restaurants that were at the destinations I was planning on visiting. And that was always a very important part of travel, even before the internet when I was doing that. I wanted to know when I went to Morocco, Dave, and went all over Morocco, I learned about their food and I learned about their spices. And, you know, it's just an amazing experience. Every place you go, you have that. And so that's a big, long historical uh, storyline that you can follow and you can and trace back to ancient societies is whatever foods might be available at this time. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, maybe this is a good time to talk about um, Hawaii tours because I'm actually very curious because I, I sent over to Carissa uh, the website and I, I, I kind of went through it just a little bit, but I want to hear more on I mean, is it still going on or like it no longer, no, it, it no longer. Yeah, it got crushed, crushed by the uh, the COVID shit show back in 2020. So uh, it became a very famous business, though, from 2004 when I started it to 2020 when COVID ended it. Uh, it was quite the experience because that's what I got to do every single day. I got to feed, educate and entertain people from all over the world who are visiting Hawaii. So they they trusted me to show them about the food and the flavor and the culture and the, the history and the architecture. And that was something that I took to heart. And that's why now, all these years later, some of my best friends in the world are people who originally came on my tour as a guest of mine. And now, all these years later, we're, st we're best friends. Wow. Damn. So, I mean, yeah, that... People want to know what's good when, you know, I would say, first thing I would tell them is no chain restaurants and uh, let me take you on a nice a nice journey today. And that's really what it was. It was, a, it was kind of a journey and an, a social experiment at the same time, but it was all based on food at the core. But now if you were to take those people from 2004, which is close to 20 years ago, and you ask them about my tours, they would say, I don't remember what I ate that day with Matthew, but I remember it was a great day. And that mm -hmm. makes me feel cool, really good. Mm. That's really great. Yeah, you're, you're an entrepreneur. You've created a business, an experience for people. Um, thought of something that you're good at and then, you know, just like did what comes natural to you, which I think, I mean, it's really incredible. Um, so it sounds like, okay, so... Or did you cook for them as well or show them the restaurants in the, the local area? Um, kind of, was it a mixture of both or? I didn't cook on the Hawaii food tours, but I escorted them, I entertained them, I educated them, I took them into the kitchens of our restaurant partners and everything and anything about the food or the culture or the clothing or the architecture, you know, I was your guy because I learned all about Hawaii cool. history. So when people came there, they had a much richer experience, a much more full experience. Yeah, it's good to have somebody uh, kind of translate everything for you. How many, mommy asking, how many days was the tour for? Was it like two, three days, or was it like just a day? The tours were individual, but we ran the tours seven days a week, and we had two or three different tours running at any given time. 
Oh, wow. You said yeah. we, so so you had people working for you as yeah, well. Yeah, we had several employees over those many wow. years. Yeah, so that's it cool. Very, it was very cool. So we had like a North Shore tour, which was more kind of local style Hawaiian. And we had an in-town city tour that had kind of like a Chinatown vibe and a city vibe and a beachy vibe. So there were a lot of different kind of styles of tours that we put together with different foods and different locations. Wow. It, it kind of sucks because, like, if Carissa, like, if we went I to Hawaii, I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. Like, like we would have <laughs> totally, like, oh yeah. Oh my god, you just take us. You just take us. Oh my god. You know, I'm, if if you can't go on the Hawaii food tours, at least you know you got me. So you can call me up and uh, we'll go out and eat. Oh my god, yeah, yeah that would be I've amazing. I've been wanting to go to Hawaii really bad, like. Can you guys I see the license plate behind go. me? Yes. I see it. I wanted to ask about it. That was from my it's tour beautiful. Van. That was from the Hawaii Food Tours van. Oh. It says eat on it. So I don't know if we're just a podcast or if we're also on YouTube at this time. But Yes, we are. Okay, we're cool. Both. So everybody yeah. can see that. So that's my license plate. I've never given it up. No, we it's shouldn't. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I didn't know that the Hawaii license plate had a rainbow on it. Yeah, yeah. Hawaii and rainbows are, are a very popular uh, connection. And the name of the the college, the UH, University of Hawaii's football team, was the Rainbow Warriors. So, cool. yeah, the rainbow is a real big thing in Hawaii because you get to see them all the time. And I'll tell you about, I'll tell you an interesting story or a factoid about rainbows. You only see them in the early morning or the very late afternoon. You don't see them during the midday, and that's because of the angle of the sun. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Damn. I mean, like, I'll tell you this uh, for for my experience. I kind of live in paradise because I live here in Florida, and it is like paradise out here. I mean, it's aside from all, the traffic. Besides the traffic, like there's tons of palm trees. It's always sunny. The clouds are always beautiful. I can understand like Hawaii also being the same thing where you always like have these beautiful trees and these beautiful clouds. Of course, there's going to be rain and stuff because it's an island. And But just being in that environment, it must really enhance, you know, your, your positivity, your outlook, the way you interact. Everybody loves a uh, beautiful picture and, yes of course and yeah you know it, it all depends on on the person of course because some people really dig an urban vibe and yes. you can get that here and some people like uh the mountain vibe and you know i live in the tree house and so i have a little bit of this and a little bit of that all kind of like nestled into the hillside and everybody can get whatever they want wherever they are but yeah you know hawaii has a very very special look to it and a very very special feel Okay. Damn. I want to go. You should yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> now we both, we both just like are fantasizing about going. Plane, you guys, I mean, what's life about, right? You should do what you want to do. So, you know, all I ever really wanted in this life was to be able to have enough money to hop on board an airplane and fly to wherever I wanted to go. And, oh, you know, yeah. that's kind of a, that's a, it's a good goal. It's not asking for too much. And no. so if you want to go somewhere, you should go there. <laughs> Life is too yes. sweet and too delicious to not. Oh, no. And you'd never leave Hawaii. That's where you you plan to stay. Oh, no, I'll, I'll leave. I'll oh. definitely leave. Yeah, I'll, tra I'll keep traveling. And keep well, you'll doing travel. Yeah, but yeah, Hawaii yeah. will stay your home is my question. You know, I'm not certain of that. I haven't really oh, decided. It's, okay. Um, everything is, for me, everything is very, very fluid. I'm, I'm able to do and be and go where I want. So I'm not connected here for any reason, especially now that 2020 has gone and so has my Hawaii food tours. Um, but I've been here for a long time. I'm connected. And um, for those who are planning on coming to Hawaii, I did release a book called The Ultimate Eater's Guide, the Hawaii edition, back at last wow. Valentine's Day. So it's just about one year old. And if you're interested in, in learning about Hawaii, about the food, about some travel hacks and stuff like that, where to go and what to do, you can always pick up a copy of that. It's at my uh, I'll website. tell you what. Yeah. Congratulations um, if, on that. <laughs> if you can, um, we'll, we'll email after after this. If you can send me over the links, I like to do this. I'll add it into the description yeah. if anybody wants to find it. 
they'll be able to. Cool. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, well, yes. it's just great that you, you know, put all of your hard earned knowledge into something that someone can buy and, you know, like read. And now it's, it's all an documented, ultimate like guide. great places to go. <laughs> Carissa, yeah. it's an ultimate guide. Okay. It's, it's not a guide. It's an ultimate guide. It's for the ultimate <laughs> eater in you. So it's yes. ultimate eater's guide. So if you'd like to eat and who doesn't, you need to get the ultimate <laughs> eater's guide in Hawaii, right? Love yeah, it. I love it. Great. It's amazing. And it's but, really, it, you know, something, and I think this is important to bring up is the message that we're bringing of the positivity, the way of sharing food, the way to, of connecting to it. Um, and I really appreciate you being able to bring that experience to the table. It's just, it's amazing. So thank you. Oh, man. This is great fun. You guys really have a great broadcast. How long have you been doing this? Um, Two years. Two years now. It's um, it's been it's been quite rocky, you know. There's <laughs> there's there's been a lot of ups and downs, but uh, the incredible thing is I have uh, really really good friends and people that care about me tremendously, and I care about them tremendously. And you know, I I think this is just important to bring up. It's just you know the the message that you want to bring, you don't have to say it; it shows it. So, Dave, can we explore the whole Rocky thing you just mentioned for a moment? <laughs> yeah. What's Rocky? What? Rocky. Rocky, like what R kind? R R Rocky Balboa. Well, you, you had just Bell mentioned Winkle. it's been a rocky ride for, for two years. Oh. Are you talking about personally? Are you talking Oh, that's about what you mean. Oh, sorry. I thought, I thought, I thought sorry. So that's true. Anyway, yeah. Give me the tea. Um, it's been rocky primarily because... Ever since my dad passed away, and um, with me moving down here and the constant changes, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, um, I, I pretty much gave up on my entire art business um, about a year ago and um, primarily focused into this. I, you know, I can kind of relate where, you know, you, you, I, again, I, you spend a lot more time than I did. You know, you spent years working on this. I just spent a short period. But when you, you spend your time working on something and, and it just, it falls apart. Mm -hmm. I, I like, it, it's a horrible, it's a horrible feeling. And it, it just. I know what you, you mean. I definitely you, know what that's like. You move on, but you really move on. So, yeah. you know, Dave, you sharing this is really important and it's because you definitely need to and it's going to help people who are listening and watching right now and you kind of have dovetailed into what I'm doing now since COVID and in this past couple of few years, I'm now into this stage of my life where I just want to help people like you and Carissa and all the people who are watching right now, because I'm probably two to three times older than you and your audience. And so I'm at a place where I understand a lot more than I used to. And so I'm at a place also that I'm happy to share um, a lot of the good things in life and help people get over humps and, and distress and anxiety about their rocky pasts or their current uh, time. And so if there's anything I can do to help you personally, Dave and Carissa, and anyone who's watching us right now, my phone number is right on my website. If you just want to call and have a chat, I'm totally open to that. And so if I can help anyone out there right now watching us, call me up text me email me i'm totally available that's a beautiful thing to offer to people and the, the confidence is beautiful too um i yeah i mean dave when you say rocky past um i mean what comes to mind is um you know and i don't want to like blast david's situation but when when he says rocky past what comes to mind for me is having misunderstandings, disagreements with other people that have been um, close ties in the podcast itself. Um, I mean, even David and I, our schedules have clashed at different times. and. 
Uh, it's hard to get things rolling. I mean, he's not doing this completely alone. He likes to collaborate with people. But when when I say, when he says Rocky, I don't know what he means. But, you know, I mean, the, these are the things that I see that are difficult. But, she knows. You know, go, go on, David. She knows. She knows. <laughs> She says she doesn't know. She knows. Well, I don't know everything. You no, know? I know. I know. Yeah. But um, it's just a word. You know, you wanna you wanna phrase the word as you like. You can. Um. But yeah, I mean, uh, I I think with that uh, we we can wrap up. Um, like I said, I, it's. <laughs> David will not talk about himself. No. It's basically. No. But I was like, get some help, like. You know, I mean, like, he's offering, but if you want to call him, you know, another time, that's fine, too, but... Dave, we'll talk off the air. Yeah, we're, yeah we'll talk, we'll talk <laughs> off the air, man. Friend. <laughs> and Chris, you and I will continue. Okay. <laughs> sure, that's fine. <laughs> All right, well, everybody, this has been um, a blast. Again, thank you so much for coming on, Matthew, and uh, Chris, you're awesome, as always. Um, and make sure to behave, be nice... And uh, we love everybody, you guys, you girls, and non-binary people. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys, one last question. Yes. Yeah. Are we going to start the broadcast now? <laughs> it was great having you on. <laughs> Carry your spoons, guys. You don't want this one dropping. Hey.